Welcome to the EverSaline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited. Catalyst Consulting exists to help people and organisations work better today and be ready for tomorrow. They have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility, lean, Six Sigma, strategy deployment, agile and change management. They can help you and your organisation to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently. To find out more, check out catalystconsulting.co.uk. Today, we have somewhat of a different episode of the Ever Saleem podcast, as today we're delving into the remarkable journey of someone who's navigated life's twists and turns, transforming challenges into triumphs. Today, we meet the remarkable, courageous, resilient and empowering Aston Avery. Aston has weathered through a maze of adversities encompassing autism, wrestling with eating disorders and confronting the shadows of depression. Yet he's channeled these struggles into fuel driving awareness and change. From overcoming personal battles to achieving remarkable milestones, Aston's journey embodies unwavering determination and remarkable spirit. It's not merely about enduring trials, it's about transforming them into opportunities for growth and advocacy. Aston's journey is a vivid lesson in resilience, showcasing the strength to rise above adversities, embrace vulnerabilities and become a beacon for driving awareness. Folks, today's episode isn't just about celebrating achievements. It's about learning from someone whose story teaches us invaluable lessons in resilience, fortitude and the courage to confront life's multifaceted challenges head on with a can-do attitude. Aston has dedicated himself and all that he is to driving awareness and advocating for change, leaving an indelible mark on the people he meets in the world of autism support and beyond. So get ready for an episode that will touch your soul and teach us all about resilience and triumph. Aston, a very warm welcome to the Everseline podcast. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast today, Matthew. Thank you, mate. It's really nice to have you here. Now, you and I met at the the BQF UK Excellence Awards back in October. And if you haven't listened to the episode, I think it's the first episode you're in. If you haven't listened to part one or part two, have a listen because you can hear some of Aston's story and you can meet his lovely mum and dad as well. And he was there uh, nominated for an award, wasn't you? Yes, I was nominated for a Patrons Award, which was uh, a brand new award at the BQF as well. The very first time to celebrate its anniversary at the BQF Awards that they introduced the uh, Patrons Award, endorsed, of course, by Her Royal Highness, the Princess Royal, of course. What an incredible achievement. So I can't wait to hear more about that. I'm so, I was so proud of you when you were there. Like, you were telling me beforehand, you know, you were looking forward to it. And then when you went up there, I was just like, that's Aston. I was like cheering you on in the wings. It was brilliant. It was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing to actually 
actually be there and to actually be alongside other individuals who are up in that category as well. And uh, it's not about winning. It's all about being there and enjoying the night at the end of the day. Absolutely. And there were some remarkable people there this year as well. And I, I think that the competition was as fierce as you can imagine, because there's so many people doing wonderful things, like you say, and it's just nice to be around those people. Do you find that you just feed off the energy of people like that? You just sort of buzz off of it? I do, actually, especially with like uh, so many uh, ceremonies for itself there. I just like to be alongside other inspirational people, other inspirational businesses, hear what they've achieved, hear what uh, they've done through the entire year, but not just through the entire year, but uh, all over what they've done as well in their lifetime, etc. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. It makes me feel inferior at times. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so let's go. Let's let's go back to you and talk about your journey. Um, it's a fascinating story, and and a story I think that's got so many life's lessons in it for everybody. Take us right back to the very beginning, then, and and tell us about you. Well, I was diagnosed with autism at two and a half, and at the same time, I was diagnosed with Pika, which. Uh, it's common with people with autism that they uh, Pika is an eating thing where they eat so many weird and wonderful things that could be plastic, it could be wood, it could be anything really. Not glass though, because that would be dangerous there. But uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the age of uh, five, I was diagnosed with enterocolitis, which is a part of the Crohn's colitis family, and I've had to be in and out of hospital when even schooled in hospital now and again as well, because that was uh, where uh, wow. my education was schooled in hospital, sometimes in school as well, but then sometimes I have to be in hospital being educated. But the teacher I had in one of the schools that I was at, and the very or school I stayed with until I was 16, was uh, brilliant. And what they done was uh, they uh, went to the teachers at the hospital and said, this child needs to learn this, that, 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 yeah what needs to happen when you're teaching them in hospital, for example, for uh, school education. And then uh, I had numerous operations. I had a tube at the age of 10, which uh, they tried to feed medicine in, in there, which uh, sadly that didn't work. And then at the age of 11, I have a colostomy bag, which I still have today, which is absolutely saved what I'm doing. And I can't do without that today easily. And that's where I come from now when I have to embrace all the doctors that have helped me become who I am today and allow me to do what I can today as well. It must have been so difficult as as a child to go through so much when you know you don't really understand as a child, do you, what's going on? And you see other people, particularly at school, were off doing their sort of things. They weren't going through any of that. That must have been such a difficult thing for you to deal with. It was difficult, especially for my parents as well, because they found it difficult as well at the time, because obviously one of them had to take time out of work, etc. There, One of them had to work, of course, there, because... Uh, that's how it rolled. And then uh, obviously, and at the same time, one of them had to look after me brother, really. And that's where me nan stepped in on occasions and would look after me brother when he was at school, of course, there in like junior school, if anything. And then when he was senior school, it's different anyway. So uh, that's where the uh, inspiration comes in from like other family members as well. And they've done uh, everything to help back here as well. It's amazing. Have you always been so positive or is it something that you've sort of grown into in adulthood? Wow. <laughs> so uh, another factor I had was uh, mental health, of course, because that was uh, a bit of a challenge, especially. And that was at school. I started having mental health problems as well, getting bullied about medical conditions, even through uh, having a colostomy as well. And likewise, that didn't help as well. And I've had times I didn't say I didn't want to be here anymore. So, uh, so on holiday one year, I tried to jump sadly jump off a balcony but uh luckily parent mum told me to not do that anyway so luckily she was there to say no don't do it yeah 
for example, there. So that uh, it's one of those things. And then what's brilliant today is that they are supportive. And the challenges today, and I feel going into adulthood, I can actually talk about this more in further depth and especially to the listeners of this podcast as well. Yeah, and that's what you've done, isn't it? You've kind of taken those lessons that you've learned and you, you've done so much, which I, I'm looking forward to hearing all about, but you've done so much that you can help others that are perhaps going through what you went through at a young age as well that's such a it takes such strength to be able to do that do you find that as an adult you just feel stronger and more confident in yourself to be able to do that have you grown into that I have grown into it but it had take time it did take time of course there especially and it probably it weren't till lockdown 2020 when I started to embrace the colostomy bag because I was like trying to uh, hide it because at the same time I wasn't that confident to talk about it but now during the lockdown that we had in 2020 and when we was thanking all the nurses and that that's when I had the confidence to say look this is what I am this is what what I've got and then uh, there we go and especially mental health I still obviously speak up about that today to everyone to say if there's uh, someone out there speak to them example and then autism I still raise acceptance for that as well. Yeah tell us about that because you do some wonderful things in the in the world of raising awareness for autism and I think over the last couple of years for example when I was a child it wasn't really recognised and lots of things when I was at school weren't diagnosed and they went un- unrecognised and you were just seen as a child that wasn't developing as quickly as others or you weren't learning like everyone else was. And I think there's so much there now to support that and so much of that is coming from you in what you're doing. Tell us about that. Well, to raise acceptance for autism, it was uh, difficult, but especially at the beginning, it was. Uh, it, I can understand where you're coming from here, Matt, as I have to say, because it wasn't as early luckily I was diagnosed early really because then they say early intervention you get better outcomes is the uh, way there and get the right tuition you get the right uh, commands as well and the right uh, discipline thrown at you if you're diagnosed early there but then with that being said it wasn't until I was did Autumn's Got Talent in 2015 for Anna Kennedy Online that uh, it was a year later after doing it that she made me ambassador for a charity. And then suddenly today I do a lot for Team AVS6 and, and for Anna Kennedy Online to raise that acceptance for autism. So uh, that being said, we do like uh, Aston's Pamper Project, gifting local heroes, unsung local heroes, whether that be a teacher, a nurse, a parent, carer, and treat them to one of those hampers, pam pamp as we call them. And then also training days as well, which uh, that being said, uh, it's called uh, Aston's Way, where we, we take uh, the autism bus down to like fire stations, schools, even police as well, ambulance. And they, they'll go inside and then they understand, they go through all the sensory modes of what someone with autism goes through and what challenges people with autism face when they're in that uh, scenario. So like if they're in a police scenario, in a fire scenario, in a school environment, anywhere really but then there's they're built on it really have the uh training for care lot which is absolutely brilliant especially in all setups that you can think of wow what did you call it aston's it was aston's way but then there's also this is me which i take into schools as well which uh and also hospices recently and then what i do is actually do a talk about uh my life story but we have a video yeah so my parents are on that as well talking about diagnosis the early stages of diagnosis and then i talk about my life story and then there's a video playing that has uh what 
you can achieve, what can happen. And they say there's a light at the end of the tunnel and the light gets brighter, brighter, brighter is one of the words in that. And then uh, you see a photo collage with uh, some singers actually singing to the song This Is Me on The Greatest Showman, of course, there. But that's these photos of what I've done. It could be achievements. It could be like things I've met, people I've met, example there, charity stuff I've done. And then... uh, also, right at the very end, it shows a picture of a skydive I'd done in 2018 to raise uh, funds for a young lad with uh, cerebral palsy, dystonia and autism to get adaptations for his wheelchair, which uh, I would easily do a skydive again. Really? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I saw a picture online of you, of you. Was it another instructor taking it as you were falling, like, as you was in the air? Yes, I was, funny enough. It was an instructor in the air. So lucky it was tandem, though, because I because when I first done the skydive, the, someone was like, uh, I hope you're going to be okay. Because then it was like, because I had a show with... Uh, a local dance group that I attend still today, which is the Dance Fantastique. And it, we was doing Aladdin, but not the pantomime version of Aladdin, the actual uh, show Aladdin, yeah. And I was one of the uh, nine uh, leads in that. So oh. it was like, uh, so it was like, <laughs> don't injure yourself. But I no. said, said to him, like, I said to him, look, it's, it, this is tandem. You know I'm going to be safe. And then when they saw me the week after I did it, I was like, oh, phew, <laughs> it was okay. I was safe. And I was that turned up for us. I was that's courage. But you are very talented. You've got a real showman-like aura about you. Tell us about some of the things that you do, because you're everywhere. Oh, everywhere is um, everywhere, every which way, but loose, as they say. But uh, <laughs> that being the ideal fact, really. I do uh, radio, which I do on a weekday on Gateway 97.8 from 10 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. And I do their daytime show. And then once a month, Anna Kennedy, OBE, joins me to discuss autism on a show. And we raise autism acceptance throughout the world of Essex there and the county of Essex, of course. And also another guest I have on my show, which is uh, Stephen Smith. He's a patron to the charity that I'm ambassador for. So it's the first time I met him was 2015. And we have a once a month slot where we speak to like uh, various people about different topics, of course. There's a lot of them are themed as what we're discussing, really, on that. But then he comes on once a month. And then so many people have actually got to interview on that show, on the actual show besides those two are like uh, people that you see on telly, might be in the music industry. It could be local people that have got events coming up. It could be someone that's performing in uh, one of our local theatres. It could be a community or someone that's conducted research, like a spokesperson, for instance, for a marketing research, example, for example, there. But then I do love to be on stage, as they say. So uh, that's where I'll do the Dance Fantastic and... Uh, Quite recently, I've taken exams through them as well, like drama, modern exams, which uh, passed them now. And then now, obviously, working towards next exams through drama and modern eventually down the line. There'll be other exams down the line as well. Done shows with La Dance Fantastic and even Pineapple Performing Arts as well, because I had a scholarship through them through Anna Kennedy Online. And they're based in Covent Garden, London. And I've done shows for them, but mostly they were on Sundays. But since uh, lockdown, it's been hit to miss, really, about the uh, course I normally do with the Pineapple lot. But uh, it's a shame. But obviously, the sad thing is it's one of those things that uh, it can't run forever, of course, there. So uh, that being said... If, it, if I was to do performing, my bucket list would be performing a pantomime, but close to home, of course. Yes. Do you know what? It's really funny you should say that. I was um, in town yesterday with my wife and kids, and there's a, all the pantomime advertisements are up on the wall. And I said to my wife, I'd love to do a pantomime. 
She went, why do you want to do that for? I said, I don't know. It's just something about it. I just think I'd, it's magical, isn't it? It is It is magical, especially when you actually go and see it as well. With that wise, yeah. you uh, get to see some of There might be regulars in there. It might be uh, not so regulars. It might be a celebrity taking part as well, depending which theatre it is as well, because they do get celebrities take part in certain theatres. So I know one in South End has a celebrity every year. So uh, when they do their panto, uh, but the one... Back in my hometown of Basildon, they have regulars that do that as well. So there's like a regular villain, a regular fall guy, but they're in the background for a bit at the moment because they wanted to spend time with their family and that. So which is understandable, but the villain's always a regular low. Uh, it's good. It's really good fun. And you're also a very talented singer because I came across a video of you online singing one of my most favourite songs by George Ezra. And you're really good. Is this Budapest by any chance? I thought it was anyway. Yes. So I can see. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, that came out the blue, really. I do like to sing, especially at open mics, which I can't thank the Roberts family enough because uh, it was them that got me into the open mic scene. And then suddenly Live Lounge, when that used to happen as well, it and then that's uh, on the back burner. But my open mic, and I've also performed under them for the Circus Tavern events as well, whether that be Christmas, Easter at times as well. And even one year, they asked me if I wanted to not only perform, but to compare as well, which was uh, a little bit of a bonus. And I was like, right, okay, I'll be up for that. So uh, done that. And then uh, there you go. And uh, we was raising funds for Anna Kennedy Online and other charities that they were linked with as well. How do you go from the Aston you described a minute ago that was in such a bad way mentally and and really struggling with where you were to somebody that does that kind of thing? It's just remarkable. It is remarkable, but uh, it's uh, at the same time, it's all about uh, trying to think what you say, especially. That's where you come into play. But then uh, it's trying to think exactly on the spot, but then trying to have that confidence as well. But then it doesn't, it takes time. It might take pressure, but then... The one thing I don't like is being under pressure and being told what to say. So I'm like, uh, uh-oh, like that thought, <laughs> thought, as they say. But then uh, when I'm not under pressure and it's not in front of me, then I'm like, okay, yeah, if you know what I mean anyway. But th- That's that creative side of you, isn't it? Because you like to create and carve your own sort of script and path rather than being told. Would you not like an auto cue? if there's an auto cue for you to read? Depends what it is anyway. So that it all depends what it is at the end of the day. So uh, if it's like speaking to uh, public with uh, regards to autism acceptance, like with... Uh, the this is me stuff that I do through Team Avery Essex, then that's not a problem. But if I'm doing like a conference, like an autism conference, which I was at earlier 2023, of course, there back in June of 2023, it's uh, then I don't need an auto cue. I just waffle on. That's the only way of doing it. And I'm doing, probably doing that right now, which is... Uh, no, you're as- fine. <laughs> when you know your your subject matter and you're passionate about it, I think sometimes it's nice just to have that that open mic and to be able to really talk from the heart, which you definitely do do. Exactly. So take us back to your your period when you was at school and you, you was sort of going through that period that was really, really hard. What support network did you have around you to sort of help you through that? It was one of the, it was the first teacher I had at school, but then obviously at nursery I had one teacher and then obviously when uh, they said when they moved schools and went to Castledon there was one teacher who sadly is no longer with us by the name of uh, Elsie Salmon and she's 
she was like an inspiration and a definite unsung hero to the public. She would actually see, she actually saw something in me at the end of the day. And uh, I can't be thankful for her enough. And that's, uh, it, she was like spot on. She was like telling every teacher that I was like what she wanted from every teacher as well and giving them advice on how to uh, teach different subjects with me, for example, and that, especially as I moved up the year, even at lunchtimes as well. It's like telling, telling the uh, people what I can and can't have food wise, for example. So there are some <laughs> of the things there. And she's been the back, she was the backbone. And then when she retired as they as because that can uh, happens sadly in life as well that they do get to retirement that uh it kind of went backhill a little it did because uh it was it was not so much the subjects it was so much that the teaching went sadly downhill because it was like uh the process was going downhill at the which is Shame, but then it was only when I went college that uh, that the self esteem was back up slightly. It was, yeah. So much of, and I've learned this as an adult. So much of education is about the way the teacher delivers the message. I've said it on other episodes before. If I look back at my school period, there's subjects that I would say, "Oh, they're boring." That was boring. Didn't like that subject. When I think about it now, it wasn't the subject; it was the teacher. And if the teacher's not able to connect and inspire you, it can really sort of switch you off in terms of learning. Is that similar to what you're describing there? It is. It's similar, but uh, that, um, for, if they don't have the right tuition, it's sadly going to affect them, especially at child age. And then when you get to college, it's like you're being t- taught like an adult here. You can say the teacher's first name, for example, there. That's the sort of thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. So they allow that. But then... Uh, that was when uh, obviously did the life skills course, which is essential skills, which is now known as Pathways over at Seabit College in uh, Basildon. And then uh, suddenly done that for three years and then went into perform- BTEC Performing Arts course for three years. Did one year at level two course and then two year level three, which uh, <laughs> one of the teachers from that said uh, I was capable to go to uni- university to do it. But then uh, I chose not to because that was not. Not for me, anyway, at the end of the day. I wanted to uh, stay with the family, stay and see family, for example, there, because it was not, if it was been commuting, that would have been a big di- different challenge there if I had to be away from them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hard decision to make, isn't it? But it sounds like the decision you have made has been the right one because opportunity hasn't been sort of short in demand, has it? You've had so much opportunity. Yeah, and that's I can't be grateful for that, especially for like uh, like for parents through uh, teachers that uh, I've been taught with at uh, the Dance Fantastic, also at Pineapple as well, likewise, and what I do today at the radio station as well. Everyone is uh, supportive, and everyone's been supportive as well. So, uh, which is what I like really, and this is what I can't ever be thankful for them for what they've done to help me on my path, for example, as well. How did you get into the radio piece? Because that seems like all the other stuff seems to flow, but the radio sort of stands out as something that's a bit different. How did you end up there? Well, that was the thing, because uh, 2013, it was the uh, one of the uh, teachers at Latance Fantastique approached uh, one of the directors who was at one of our shows, yeah, and said uh, about doing work placement there for two weeks with them. And basically, I was in the background and then suddenly they said uh, somewhere in 2014, like September, would you train, would you like to train to become a presenter? And I had to do some training, of course, learn the equipment, learn how to present, example. But then it was around about a week before Easter 2015 that it was like, uh, you're going to present a show. And I was like, okay, (laughs) like sort of thing. And then... uh, 
but then the beauty is you're you're you got to pretend you're speaking to a best friend, not like you're pretending to speak to the public there. So that was the best part. But then you have to guess the music because you can't just go like, oh yeah, play that song for example there, because we have to be careful what we play, of course, in radio. But then uh, it was like you have to guess the listener, yeah. But the first couple of shows it was all like uh, just music and chat, and then. Uh, from about third or fourth show in, they gave me a guest. Lucky it was a local one. It was one that, uh, at the time, yeah. It was, and they were extremely local as well because they were uh, they were street pastor, and uh, they that was comfortable for me to actually speak to them as well. And they were eased me into that guest side progress as well to actually speak to them. Oh, that's brilliant! It sounds like you've had loads of support there. That's amazing. It is amazing, really, because you wouldn't be thankful enough to have uh, so many people. But then what we do have as well is obviously. Like, uh, so we get guests that, as I said, that come from this might be a celebrity. It might be marketing people. It could be uh, like community groups. It could be like someone that's performing in the theatre. So it's amazing that what we speak, who we speak to today, especially in regards to uh, what we're going to be chatting on air, for example, as well, not just play music. Yeah, it's good fun. But you're, you're, you are a very talented individual. As I said before, you've got so many wonderful skills and I'm so in awe of you, Aston. I just wish I had some of your talent. Yeah, some people, when I was at school, there was people that were really, there was in the football team and they were really good at football. And then there was other people that were really good at art. And then there was other people that were really good in drama and they could sing and dance. I never quite found what my skill was. Wow. I didn't know. I just sort of, you know what I mean? I was like, I was like an in-betweener. I didn't know what, what my ability was. And you found yours quite young and you've really latched onto it and done so many great things with it. It's so inspiring. Yes, yes, it is. And then the, but it's the, actually the performing arts was actually the very first thing I spotted. It was like uh, about uh, 12 or 13 when I started the performing arts side of things anyway. So, and as I said, I can't be uh, thankful for all the teachers that got me through uh, dance exams, through drama exams, of course, there. Even if they're group or solo, they are, I still can't be thankful enough for them, really. So, because they've been the backbone, really, and unsung heroes to get me where I am today, especially in that environment. And what is it about the performing stuff that appeals to you? What is it there that really hooks you in? Just being on stage. That's one <laughs> aspect. <laughs> you just like being up in front of people. Exactly. That, I had the ag for it when I was about when I was at nursery, really. So I was about three or four and I had the ag. And that was like, it was like one show. And then they just went like, I just went on stage and they was like trying to get me off and I didn't want to get off. So <laughs> You wouldn't come off the stage. <laughs> exactly. He was hogging the limelight. <laughs> yeah. Especially when especially when the show finished as well. That's so funny. You were still up. Everyone left. You were just up there in the dark. Like everyone had gone and you wouldn't come yeah. off the stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, when we met at the, the awards for the BQF, I was talking to your mum and dad and they they were telling me a wonderful story about how they felt when you were first diagnosed and how they wouldn't accept the can't, that this is not going to happen. They didn't want to accept what people were saying the reality was. Tell us a bit about that because that's really impressive. That, they actually are right. They don't, they don't want to accept the can't really. They want to accept the can, if you know what I mean. Anyway, what can happen? What can be achieved? What can they do for example there so they have some of the things that they want they want to say really that it's not about what they can't it's what they can do it's what the high idea of their ideas were was behind it but my dad which is where the uh from a tear to hear book comes into play when he first found out i was diagnosed with autism he shed a, a tear and that brought the inspiration through the book 
ear to ear, which uh, we still have on the Team AVS6 websites, for example. That's where we have them. And then we have them all like in different places as well. But then what we do is that proceeds from the sales either go back to Team AVS6 or charities that are close to our hearts. 13-time single prize winner, Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author, Mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves? Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. With 30 years of experience in certifying a range of improvement techniques, BQF is the standard you can trust in an ever-expanding market of qualifications. To gain a BQF certification, you need to demonstrate more than knowledge. You need to prove that you've been there, done it, and have learned from your mistakes. A BQF certification guarantees professionals who can walk the walk. Once certified by BQF, you are listed on their certification register where you can annually update your status to prove that you're still practicing your skills. BQF certifications come in four levels, Associate Practitioner, Practitioner, Advanced Practitioner, and Master Practitioner, giving opportunity to grow and develop in each of these areas. Head to bqf.org.uk today to find out more about certifications in change management, customer experience, lean, lean six sigma, living your values, mental health and wellbeing, personal development, and program and project management. So, Tear to Hear, this is a book that you wrote or they wrote? It's me mum that wrote it, but then I've done the uh, pictures inside it as well. So, oh, uh, it was me mum wrote it. She wrote it. She wrote it, but then she completed it in lockdown 2020. She published it, but not as like an official publisher, but like a independent publisher. And it was like 2021. It went, it published. So Wow. And what's the book about? It's basically about my journey, basically, and from a parent's point of view and a family's point of view of what going through an autism, what through autism can be like for a family. It gives inspiration for parents down the line who are going through the same way to experience that there is that light at the end of the tunnel and there is that uh, inspiration to follow down the line as well that they what they someone can achieve and not what they can't achieve. And that's so useful. What a useful resource because so often parents. When I was a child, I always looked at adults and grown-ups and thought, one day I'll be wise and, and smart like them and I'll know everything they know. And as I've got older, my body's got older, but my mind hasn't grown at the same rate. So I still don't feel like a grown-up. Yeah, I'm 40 years old, but I don't feel like a grown-up. <laughs> so when, you, when people give you those resources, like that book that you're describing there, A Tear to Hear, is is wonderful because it can give you that that confidence and that perspective of someone who's been there and done it, and I really like that. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing what the uh, book can actually uh, tell and also delve into, especially for parents that they can take uh, inspiration from it and also go through the same uh, process what 
we've gone through. And where can people buy that book if they want to get a copy? Well, they can buy it in uh, three places. They can buy it on the Team Avery Essex website, which is teamaveryessex.co.uk. So teamaveryessex.co.uk. Also, Anna Kennedy Online has uh, has them as well. So it's annakennedyonline.com. So annakennedyonline.com. And the local dance school, which I'm at as well, La Dance Fantastique, they have them as well. So they're the three places that they can get them from. Oh, it's brilliant. And Team Avery Essex is your your charity, isn't it? That's registered to you. It's a, it's a community organisation, really. We do a lot to raise acceptance within the community, as we said there. Even though we put on like fundraising events, we... Uh, do like uh, community organisations, like as I said, going to schools and teach, like raise acceptance in schools through uh, This Is Me Project, Aston's Way, which I've mentioned earlier, and also uh, the Pamper Ambers gifting to unsung local heroes that have done so many things and also inspirational things within the community as well. That's amazing. What is it in inside you that really sparks this? You know, you want to to raise awareness and help other people. Obviously, you've been through it yourself, but what is it that drives you to do that? Oh, it's a lot, really. So it's amazing what can happen, really, especially when it comes to uh, like dr- having that mental drive and it's having that mental drive to actually go and say, I want to do this at the end of the day. I want to raise acceptance. I want to do this. That's the best way around it. And then when... Uh, having that uh, drive and getting that drive, it was difficult to begin with and to understand it. But when getting that understanding, it was like, yes, let's go for it. Uh, and having that drive and especially with parent support, <laughs> it's there and you got, and it's nice. So was you told when you was younger, was you told that, you, you know, you can't do this, you won't be able to do that, you won't achieve this? Oh, yes. They said, doctors really said I wouldn't be able to speak and then also wouldn't be able to do much, if you know what I mean as well. They said I'd be non-verbal. And they said, sadly, that uh, someone that was in nursery with me, they would be verbal. But sadly, unfortunately, it went the other way. So and I, and I have to uh, say it's one of it's sadly one of those things that can happen, really. And they always doctors sometimes. Yes, they do a lot. They understand what they're saying. But uh, understandably, they can sometimes get things wrong, unfortunately, because mm. uh, at the end of the day, they're doing the job. So they have to do their job at the end of the day. Your parents in particular didn't give up hope. They were like, I'm not going to accept that. We are going to do everything we can to make that different. Exactly. And that's what they want to do is make that difference within the community. You've gone for the other end of the spectrum. You've gone from being told you're non-verbal to talking on the radio, up on stage, chatting away, to talking in front of people at events and stuff. It's amazing. Oh, it is amazing, really, to actually speak about it, especially to uh, like other people as well. And especially like with uh, people that think and one of the questions I got asked can you catch autism and I'm like you have to laugh with it really on that but uh, unfortunately autism is not something you can pass on to other people it's what affects the brain anyway so that's all it is that's what it is it affects the certain part of the brain there might be something like certain things they can't do as part of the brain it's a neurological thing and it's a hidden one sadly so I have to say this really, that it can't be passed. It's one of those things that's hidden and uh, something you can't really catch, if you know what I mean. Anyway, you're either born with it or you're not. It's one of those things that, and, and mental health has this issue in general in society. If you had a broken arm, people could see you've got a broken arm and they'll be like, oh, you've got a broken arm. Oh, you know, and you'd be like, yeah, you know, it's healing or I did this or I did that. With mental health, people can't see it. It's difficult. 
it is difficult, especially mental health side of things as well. As I said, all as I said, it's a hidden disability. It's hidden. People can't see if unless it's visible, then they won't know what's going on. And this is where they. It's more being acceptance of it as well, and also not challenge, but uh, speak up about it. And that's where people need to do is if they've got a hidden illness like mental health, speak up about it. And especially to a family, a friend, or even a professional as well, a teacher, for example, they're sort of places people and you you want to really speak up to because then they can understand where you're coming from. Have you found it's been more accepted as an adult than when you was a child or things changed in society? Um, depends on where and all that. But then obviously we're living in now in the 21st century, of course, there. So it is more accepting, if you know what I mean, anyway. But then, uh, which is nice. But then at the same time, you do get, uh, sadly, people that don't accept it. And it needs to be more acceptance out there, really, on that as well. Even though we're living in the 21st century, we need to have more acceptance out there with regards to it. And when you say they don't accept it, do you mean they treat you differently when you when you go places? I wouldn't say treat differently though, because that wouldn't because that would not be nice anyway. But they uh, they might not understand what you're coming where you're coming from. It, for example, anyway, that's probably the only way I can put it. I see. Okay. Do you feel when you're when you go places, do you feel that you need to explain very early on that you have that condition, or do you tend just to let it go and people pick up on it? Um, it's better to explain beforehand, really, because then that's the best way around it, and then. If they don't pick it up straight away, give them time to pick it pick it up. And then if it takes time, then they, they accept it more anyway, because then they can understand where you're coming from. You should go, hi, I'm Aston Avery. Pleased to meet you. Here's the book. Read this book. Here's the website. Go to this website. <laughs> Watch this video <laughs> and then come back in half an hour. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what that, well, funny enough, I never had that at the time in most places, but then... Now I do have those uh, in place that they can go like, oh, yeah, that that will help anyway. So there you go. Do you get people sort of in your local area in particular, do you get people recognising you and coming out and going, oh, you're Aston? Uh, occasionally anyway, because especially <laughs> like, because well, obviously 2019 was uh, given a Basildon hero to celebrate Basildon's 70 years, of course, there, which is, uh, so they see me on uh, a pillar in Basildon. They're like, oh, look you're on a pillar in Basildon. I'm like, okay. And then obviously What's like... that? Yeah, Tell like, us about that. What's that then? But, well, what happened was like, as I said, Basildon was celebrating 70 years back in 2019. And they was looking, they was recognising so many people that do so many things within the Basildon borough, of course there, whether that be un, like local heroes, local people, and all what they've done as well, community groups, organisations, for example, there. And obviously that, when, when, when a couple of people put me forward for that, I was like... Okay, and then when they said, "Oh, you're Bazan," I was like, "What?" <laughs> I didn't expect that. Anyway, so so my so my face is on a pillar in Bazan Town Centre, funny enough, <laughs> in the Eastgate Shopping Centre as part of that. So so they like, "Oh yeah, look who's on there." But then the other thing as well was uh, appearing on TV's Pointless back in 2021, and that was my idea because it was because uh. I was thinking about getting my mum and my brother, and they were like, "No, no, no!" And then my dad went along for the ride, and he really enjoyed it that day. Did my dad anyway to actually go on to the telly? But it was a challenge for him because he done like speaking in public, of course. Ah, how did you get on? Uh, we we didn't win one episode because we got knocked out in the first round. But then the uh, second episode, we ended up getting all the way. So uh, and wow. then winning on that one. 
Oh, wow. What did you win? It was uh, two and a half grand for, uh, but what we done, instead of like doing what people say, oh, spend it on holiday, spend it on uh, something else. We actually decided to give it to local charities close to charities close to our heart. And they was in awe of us were the two presenters at the time, Alexander Armstrong, who's still on it today. And Richard Osman, who is not on it, but he's on the celebrity version today. Oh, wow. That's an amazing thing to do. And you had good fun doing it as well. Yeah, yeah. But the pointless trophy. Don't be um, misled, but don't be perceived because you might think it's big. It isn't. It's only <laughs> <laughs> the it's a TV trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Aston, looking forward, what's your hopes and aspirations in the future? Where, where do you want to get to? What do you want to do? Well, as I said, when in the performing side, hopefully performing panto, whether that be local, but start locally. But then I'd rather continue as well, raising acceptance for autism and also continuing what I do today. They're probably the best ways I can do that about that is carry on what I'm doing today and also one day perform on stage at a panto locally to start with. You could be that villain that comes back every year. I can just see you playing the villain now, actually. Right. I'll- Oh, I have to say, we'll meet again, Mr. Bond. <laughs> like that sort of yes! thing. Yes, anyway. <laughs> you could do it. You'd be really good at it. I think you'd be brilliant in Panto. Really good. Look, I'll do you a deal. If I ever get to do Panto, I'll chuck your name in the hat. If you ever get to do Panto, you've got to chuck my name in the hat. That should be that should be a deal. I have to do an air shake <laughs> hand. <laughs> yeah, well, an air shake hands on that. That's a really <laughs> good deal. Um, I think it'd be really good fun. It's so funny, though, like, like lots of like parents take their kids to the panto and they make out that they're taking the kids to the panto. The kids want to go. I reckon secretly a lot of these parents, they want to go and see it themselves because I do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do. I just, I've, I've seen pantos and I was like, okay, what happens if I was doing it? I, although the only thing I did do was do a panto for lo- the local dance group, the Dance Fantastic, and they got me to dress as an ugly stepsister for it, which is a one-off anyway, luckily. And but at the end of the day, it was nice to actually have that challenge to perform in drag. Anyway, so different. <laughs> Brilliant. <the> <laughs> um, Aston, there was something I wanted to ask you about coping mechanisms throughout your life. Obviously, you you face lots of challenges and you need to overcome lots of hurdles. What's been your personal coping mechanisms to deal with that and to support yourself in those examples or in those times where it's been really difficult? Right. Okay. So uh, the coping mechanism, obviously, is having that support. That's the best way I can say about that. It's having that correct support. But then if I feel like I'm getting what they call agitated or anything like that, what I do is shut myself away and then I don't uh, come back down when I'm like, uh, okay, if you know what I mean. So there are times I do shut myself away. So you're aware that you're you're sort of starting to get into that space and you remove yourself from the situation. Yeah, like conversations. If there's too many people talking at once then it's like finding so many what to join into and if I don't feel comfortable I'll just walk away from it so so at the awards for the BQF when that was obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of people there did you find that situation a bit of a challenge um no because I could even chat to me parents even if they weren't because uh, they was there as well so it was nice to actually have pe- people there that were supporting and everyone supports each other at the end of the day I think having that awareness of yourself and knowing your limits and being able to remove yourself from the situation is is a wonderful skill to have because not everybody is able to do that. Some people sort of they don't they don't know the signs and they don't know what's happening and they sort of stay in that situation and it boils over. 
Yeah, correct. And I have to say as well, obviously, other alongside, not just being at BQF, of course, there, I've had, obviously, as you probably know, I've had so many awards down the line as well. So like uh, Pride of Essex in 2012, National Diversity 2016, of course, there, which was a big highlight. And then, and then quite recently, the Anna Kennedy Online done an Autism Hero Awards and they named me one of their charity supporters of the year quite recently. So it was nice to be recognised through them. But that was one I didn't expect, really. BQF, I didn't expect at all to be shortlisted for that. And I think at the end of the day, I can't be thankful for people that are out there supporting and raising acceptance at the end of the day. That's how I see it. And uh, even parents as well and family and friends that are even out there. Have you got a trophy cabinet? I bet you've got your own trophy cabinet. <laughs> I wish, but no, <laughs> not, it's not It's not wide enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> you put your little pointless trophy in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've kept that in its box for a reason anyway, so... <laughs> So what would be your advice to um, others at the moment, maybe parents or or maybe even individuals that are going through some difficult challenges in their life at the moment? It could be to do with learning difficulties. It could be just anything in their life. What would be your advice to them to help them through that? Well, parents, I'd say if you some, know something is uh, not right, get that diagnosis early because I think if they so get that diagnosis early so for instance like a child if they're if they if you see something not right try and get that diagnosis early because it was me late granddad that spotted my diagnosis and, and he was like and sadly he's no longer with us of course there one like me mum used to be mum's dad I'm referring to here and he spotted he spotted I had autism straight away and then the doctors, it took time, of course, there, because they have to go through all the research. But get that diagnosis early. And especially for parents, don't give up, persevere, and also teach them rights and wrongs as well, because that's another factor as well. If they don't know the rights and wrongs, they're not going to learn. You can find something you're interested in, whether that be a hobby, something you like to do, like an activity, for example, or even talk about a subject that you like talking about as well. That can also be the comfort zone. But if you're not comfortable in being in a challenging environment, then try and find a quiet zone, of course, there to try and uh, calm down, for example, there or make yourself uh, relax is what they say as well. And try and encourage them to do a lot as well, whether that be an activity or something they're really interested in as well. So get behind them and support them with what they like to do as well. Great advice. Thank you, Aston. Right. We are going to play a little game. And I'm going to try and catch you out. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> How do you fancy playing the yes-no game? Let's go for it. Good answer. So basically, this game is a game that I play with all my guests. And it's basically a chance for me to humiliate you in front of everybody who's listening. Uh, uh. And I'm going to ask you lots of questions with a bit of music in the background that adds some pressure. Right. And you can say anything you like, but you can't answer yes or no. It's how many seconds I can do it in, okay? Yes, the challenge is to beat 60 seconds. That's where you've got to try and get to. Okay. Uh, now, I've got three cards in front of me, and each of those cards has a different subject matter. Do you want card number one, card number two, or card number three? Two. Card number two is... Radio. <laughs> this is up your street. Radio. So I'm going to hit the music and then I'm going to try and catch you. And I'm going to do everything I can to make you say yes or no. If you hear the gong, that means that you're out. Okay. That means you, you said yes, no, or a variance of yes and no. Okay. 
Right, Aston, your 60 seconds is loaded. It's all about radio. Do not answer yes or no. Has digital radio, DAB, become more prevalent than analogue radio in many regions? It has. Have, uh, have streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music affected traditional radio listenership? It has. <laughs> has there been an increase in community or not-for-profit radio stations focusing on local issues and grassroots movements? Depends what you're saying. Are you on local radio? I am. Do you like it? I do. <laughs> is it like the best thing you do ever? It is. <laughs> what, technologi- what technological advancements have significantly enhanced the overall listening experience for radio listeners? Well, speaking to people. Yeah, it's all about talking to people, isn't it? It is. <laughs> do you like talking to people? I do. <laughs> Aston, you're a superstar. You were not phased. You just breezed through. Thank you. <laughs> that was incredible. You didn't even flinch. You're just looking at me going, it yeah. is. I think so. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no challenge at all. I reckon you could have done two minutes. Probably. Well done. There you go. There's a little sh- that's a little game you can play on your radio show. I'll give you a little tip there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Um, I don't know if you remember. Like back in the um, the I think it's the nineties. There used to be a uh, Des O'Connor. Do you remember Des yes, O'Connor, take, the presenter? Take the pick, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was brilliant. Open the box. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that, <laughs> that was program. Brilliant. The nineties game shows were the best, weren't they? Yeah, they were. That was the decade I was born in, so that was helpful. Oh, they're brilliant. I just love it. I remember on a Saturday night when I was a child, it used to be a really good like Saturday night was the best night of the week for TV. You had Blind Date with Cilla Black. Yeah. You had Take Your Pick. You had uh, Gladiators, like the original yeah. Gladiators. Exactly. That was amazing. Brilliant. Right, Aston, really quickly, where can people go? What's the web addresses where people can learn more about you and the things that you're doing? Well, teamaveryessex.co.uk is where they can find out more about uh, what we do within the community as well. And also you can find me on uh, social media, on Facebook, on X, which is now formerly known as Twitter, and even on Instagram as well. So that's where they can find out all the information. So I'm at Avery underscore Aston on X, formerly Twitter, and at Aston199122 on Instagram is where they can find out all as well. Brilliant. Easy to remember that, Aston. Well done. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. It's, uh, it's inspiring and wonderful. And I think you're a superstar. Well done. Thank you, Matt. Some key takeaways from today's discussion with Aston. Aston's journey really does epitomise resilience, advocacy and purpose-driven dedication. His ability to confront adversities, advocate for autism awareness and pursue his passions for performing arts offers valuable insights applicable to both life and business. In life, Aston's resilience serves as a lesson in facing challenges with fortitude, embracing setbacks, much like Aston did with his health issues and societal misconceptions, teaches us to navigate unexpected hurdles with determination and persistence. In the business world, encountering setbacks or market fluctuations is common. Embracing resilience enables adapting to change, driving progress and achieving long-term success. 
Aston's dedication to autism awareness emphasises the vital importance of diversity, equality and inclusion in society. His advocacy not only drives positive societal change, but also underscores the need for stronger community bonds through understanding and acceptance. In the business realm, supporting DEI initiatives goes beyond ethical responsibility. It bolsters brand reputation, cultivates customer loyalty and nurtures robust employee engagement. Embracing diversity isn't a mere obligation. It's about valuing individual perspectives, creating an inclusive environment and leveraging varied talents for innovation and market relevance. Prioritising DEI isn't just ethical, it's the strategic move that propels organisations towards long-term success whilst making a meaningful impact on society. Aston's passion for performing arts and dedication to autism awareness exemplify the importance of pursuing passions with purpose. It underscores the lessons that aligning personal or organisation goals with a clear purpose leads to more fulfilling life and a more impactful business strategy. Furthermore, Aston's effective communication and storytelling skills showcase the power of honest, relatable narratives. These skills foster understanding and connections among individuals in personal and professional settings alike. Mastering the art of storytelling in business builds emotional connections with customers and with stakeholders, driving engagement and loyalty. His entrepreneurial mindset and adaptability teach us to transform setbacks into opportunities for growth. Embracing an entrepreneurial mindset in life fuels innovation and resilience, just as it does in business, where it enables organisations to pivot, innovate, be agile and thrive in dynamic market conditions. Additionally, Aston's commitment to donating prize money to charities highlights the value of giving back. This gesture not only makes a positive impact, but also strengthens leadership values. In business, incorporating social responsibility initiatives fosters a positive brand image and enhances employee morale and engagement. It can really help your organisation to connect with the community around you. Finally, Aston's journey emphasises the importance of continuous learning and the ability to adapt and overcome. Embracing lifelong learning in both personal and professional spheres foster growth, innovation and resilience, creating a competitive edge in business while enriching life experiences. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Ever Celine podcast. Thanks to Aston for joining us today and inspiring us with his life story and the wonderful things that he's doing and bringing some humor and excitement to the show as well. Absolutely brilliant. If you like the sound of today's show and would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Eversaline podcast on your favorite platform or at www.eversaline.com. We'll also find episodes that you might have missed and learn more about the services that are available. If you can, please take a moment to like and review the podcast on the platform that you listened on. I'll be extremely grateful and your review really does mean so much. If you're on the socials, check out Eversaline podcast. It's the place to be. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, Eversaline, you know it makes sense. The Eversaline podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit eversaline.com to find out more. Hold up. 